Hello and welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens and I'm the founder and CEO of Unbundled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview our Unbundled Attorneys as well as the leading experts in the industry to identify the best practices for converting leads into paying clients and how to ethically and profitably deliver unbundled legal services and other affordable options in your practice. To learn more about how exclusive unbundled leads can help you grow your practice, visit our website at unbundledattorney.com. All right, welcome to our 50th podcast episode of the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. And this is a really exciting episode because as we announced on our previous episode, episode 49 and a half, during which we reviewed the previous 49 episodes we created, uh, if you haven't checked that episode yet, uh, it's a great resource. If you go into the show notes on unbundledattorney.com forward slash podcast and check out that episode, look in the show notes, we have links to uh, all the different episodes that we've recorded over the past two years of running this podcast organized by theme, like scaling your practice, streamlining and automating the delivery of tasks, uh, sales and client conversion, and, and all these other topics as well. So launching a new solo practice. Uh, these are all some of the things that we've covered on the podcast and a whole lot more. As we announced on that episode, we have, we're excited to, to, to share with you our very first video podcast episode. Uh, this is an effort to get you in touch with and get you connected with in-person uh, with the attorneys that are behind the mission of Unbundled Attorney. I mean, we wouldn't be around serving the amount of clients we serve without the the network and attorneys like yourselves that are providing Unbundled services. And we'd like you to get to know them, to to see what they look like, look in their eyes. And, and we want to sit down with them and have a much more intimate conversation around you know, how it is that they're implementing these services into their practice. And so that's what we've done. Um, we've just completed a road trip all the way down the West Coast. Um, we have the first five episodes already recorded. And we'll be releasing them to you on our normal schedule uh, every couple weeks. I also want to issue a, an apology because we're a little bit late on schedule as far as releasing this episode. For two years straight, we released every episode every single two weeks. Uh, and this one is a little bit later than normal. Uh, and it's mainly because we wanted to make sure we took the time to put together the right team and release a product or you know a podcast and interviews that that we could be proud of that we felt was good work and doing a video podcast requires more staff a team uh, video developers video editors uh, cameras mics and all these other different uh, components that make it work and it's something that we're willing to to do uh, but it just takes some time to get the systems dialed and and so we had to keep tweaking it and improving it until we got to the point where we feel like we have a really really solid uh interview to share with you and a great system to provide these interviews as video podcasts going forward. So you can watch this interview and see the full interview with us on camera. If you go to youtube.com forward slash unbundled attorney, that is our YouTube channel or just search YouTube for unbundled attorney and uh, you know click on our channel and you'll find the episode there. And that's what we'll be launching each new episode. So what you'll want to do is when you go to that channel, just click the subscribe button and then you get a notification just like you normally do through email um, or through your podcast app. Um, YouTube will, will notify you when each new video podcast episode has been launched. Um, one other thing is that the you're going to notice on this episode that the audio quality is not the same as what it was before, or at least it's different sounding because we're not using podcast mics. We're using uh, lavalier like mobile mics that are just clipped to our you know, to our shirt. And so uh, the next few interviews will be, you you know, we filmed them with these mics 
Uh, and then after those, these next five, um, we're going to be working on upgrading that to improve the sound quality. So appreciate your patience with that. Uh, but you can certainly hear, hear them loud and clear. And especially if you watch on YouTube, it's going to be uh, a very different experience. And so looking forward to hearing your feedback. So you can leave your comments. If you watch it on YouTube, just leave a comment down below in the YouTube channel um, with you know what you thought of this video podcast and the transition to being able to watch it physically uh, through through video. So really excited to release this episode to you for the first time in video format. So check it out on YouTube or just feel free to continue listening in the way you always have. So let's get right into it. This interview with Sue Boonlutai and Sunny Aula, both of whom are unbundled attorneys out of Seattle, Washington. All right. Well, we are really excited today because this is our... 50th podcast episode for the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind. Wow. And so to, um, to mark this special occasion, uh, we thought it would be uh, really a privilege to actually have a sit down with some of the attorneys we work with here, Ms. Sue Boonlatai, founder of Wise Woman Law, and Sunny Awala. Uh, how do you spell it? How do you pronounce Aula. it? Kind of like owl with an A. Aula. Yes. Aula. Who, uh, is an unbundled attorney, Newport Law Group, who is an unbundled attorney, does immigration services throughout the King County and Seattle metro region, and uh, get an opportunity for you to meet them more in person and uh, have an open discussion. Uh, Sue's been on our podcast in the past in both roles, uh, once interviewed <laughs> as, yeah. a, as a podcast guest, and then we, we switched chairs, and she interviewed me for the podcast as well. So really pleased to have you joining us back on the show again. So thanks for taking the time, and and Sunny, we're looking forward to to chatting with you too, and and hearing about uh, your story and our journey together. So thank you both for being here. You're welcome. Happy to be here and happy to meet you. To meet you too. Yeah. And you finally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. This is part of uh, what we're most excited about is just having a chance to to sit down and get to know each other and create community and and uh, you know more of a cooperative effort amidst. Uh, both us, you know, in facilitating uh, you you guys as, as attorneys, but also for you guys to get to know each other and uh, and share some ideas. So glad that we can make it happen. So maybe just a good for, a place to start for those that haven't heard your previous podcast episodes. And uh, given that this is the first time for you on the show, maybe because you both uh, give a bit of background on how you guys got to start in the practice of law, the focus area, and and uh, maybe what makes your firm unique other than your shining selves. <laughs> Well, um, I have been doing this for a while and uh, I started out wanting to be and am a trial lawyer doing litigation work. And then almost a year ago, I branched out and decided to do family law as well. And I also do some immigration and rebranded completely, redid my practice and renamed it Wise Woman Law. And the reason why I decided to do that at that time was I was looking for ways to integrate my practice in a way that would be more consistent to who I am and kind of really put my whole heart and soul out there and just kind of like, here it is. And that's how I came up with Wise Woman Law. And the purpose of Wise Woman is, um, you know, my purpose, I think my passion is really to help empower women. Mm. And there has been questioned before, it's like, okay, you know, is that the only people you want to help? 
yes. are women. So that has always been an issue. And um, my answer, of course, of course not. You know, I want to empower everybody. And even whether you're a man or a woman, um, you know, I think we're also connected. For example, um, you know, you have sisters, you have wives, you have daughters. So in a way, we're all connected no matter what our gender is. But on a personal level, and then you can't deny the fact that me being a woman, I would have more of a personal that deep, deep connection to what it feels like to be a woman who, and for whatever circumstance, um, would, you know, come along and feel disempowered. And so I wanted to have my skill and my passion um, to do what I can to help empower individuals like that. I've been practicing for the last 10 years. I graduated uh, school in Florida, and I... Uh, worked with a bunch of different law firms, and I did a lot of volunteer work. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years since I've graduated. And I... What kind of volunteer work were you doing? I volunteer with uh, Northwest Immigration Project. I volunteered with the King County Bar Association and uh, Jacksonville Legal Aid when I was first getting started. And I noticed that there is a big demand for ethnic women and... Uh, and uh, just people who can speak multiple languages in the area of immigration. Mm -hmm. And it's a very underrepresented uh, group of people. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of attorneys out there. There's a lot of people who, who need to... Uh, there's a, a large amount of people who can speak Cantonese, Mandarin, Vietnamese, and Spanish. Yeah. But there's not a lot of people who speak Punjabi and Hindi. And I am originally Canadian, but... I had my own immigration process when I was coming here and I came here as a student on an F-1 visa and my mom actually has a dual citizenship and waiting as an adult to get approved in order to get my green card to move here and going through that process on my own uh, really sort of spiked my interest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also did a little bit of uh, volunteer work with Amnesty International when I was in law school and I uh, did... Uh, international moot court competitions because I was on the moot court team. So I came across a large amount of people who were very underrepresented and nobody was really listening to their stories, especially when there was asylum seekers, uh, people who were coming in under the uh, VAWA Act, people who would come in under in good faith, get married and come here and they were being treated terribly by their spouses and other family members. And there was really no voice for them. They didn't know who to talk to. They didn't know where to go and there was nowhere to help. So uh, I actually started a, uh, a legal clinic with the temple here locally so that people could come in and it's once a month and we get South, it's with, in conjunction with the South Asian Bar Association and um, for people to be able to come in and actually have a conversation with an attorney to get some legal advice and get some legal help and feel comfortable speaking in their language, which was important. And... You have attorneys that will volunteer and just come in one, you know, one day a month and people can come in and get yeah. advice and mm -hmm. get help with their paperwork. Yeah, and, and read it. I mean, you know, sometimes you get a letter from USCIS and what USCIS does is they, they'll reject you and then they will send you five additional pages of just law. Uh -huh. You know, and people don't know what, what are you asking for. And then at, right at the end, it says you have 30 days. Yeah. So they're in a rush, and uh, going in to speak to an attorney is really expensive, especially immigration attorneys. Because the thing with immigration law is that if you agree to uh, 
represent a client, for example, and they have a hearing and you have to go in front of a judge, the immigration judges, for, for an attorney, for me, for example, I agreed to represent someone and I charged him, I actually got him through our unbundled services. I charged him a flat rate for that one day of representation. And it turns out the judge says, you have to do all of these steps. And if you don't, you have until March to do all of these steps. That client um, didn't, uh, after that hearing, I, I couldn't get a hold of him. I couldn't find him. I couldn't see him. And I couldn't get out of his case because the judge wouldn't let me go. And uh, that's where you kind of get stuck a little bit in immigration because they won't let you get out of the case mm. as an attorney, especially right. when it's litigation. Uh-huh. Right. I think that's part of the, I also do um, litigation, deportation cases for immigration. And I think that goes to why um, attorneys who do deportation cases charge so much. Because you're not only taking on the case and representing the client, but in terms of your responsibility and your legal liability as an attorney is so extensive. Um, you're dealing with federal case, you know, federal law. And unlike the civil case where you have in the superior court, as an attorney, you don't have a lot of freedom to go in and out of cases. The moment you put your notice of appearance, meaning saying that I'm now the representation for this case in federal court, in immigration federal case, what happens is in order for you to get out of it, you have to go through such an extensive process you have to go make sure that you file correctly. You have to ask the judges, to, you know, permission to do so. And most of the time, judges don't like it when you try to withdraw. Yeah. So the attorney ends up taking so much responsibility for the case. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, and most clients, um, when they're in deportation, by the time they get there, there's so much crisis in their life that having this pile on them, a lot of times they kind of emotionally detach or they get into a crisis mode and can't really handle the responsibility of doing what is needed for their case in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that's a different, that's why it is so difficult to find um, immigration attorneys, let alone Im- uh, immigration attorneys that is familiar with your culture, that is familiar with your language. So it's yeah. a very difficult situation for everybody to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is hard. And uh, I find that there's a lot of people like I that appreciate that, you know, that they can speak in their native language. And it's there's not that many. In uh, Washington here, I think there's about, well, now, of course, the community is a lot bigger. And uh, But when I first started in Washington State, it was 2011. And there was really like three immigration attorneys that could speak that were that had the experience or the inclination to do immigration law that could actually speak the language properly and they were so very busy yeah. and i would get uh, when i started out i would actually get a lot of offshoot of their business and people would call and they would say well that person's very busy and they're just not calling me back and just said i'm not going to take your case you know even mm-hmm. though when i ended up doing some of those cases they were really they were easier cases and they weren't um but some people just don't, some uh, attorneys just don't have the time and they don't want to do it and they will just be rude to people. And to do you me, think it's largely to the degree that they know that if they get involved in those types of cases, it's going to be a, a, a really a serious term. investment of time? It's a long, you know, yeah, you have to be willing Is to it, take on a long, almost a long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it takes, you know, there's, it's so invested. You have to be so invested in that. Um, and, and so, um, 
Well, one of the things about family law is specifically, and as it relates to unbundling, is that it gives attorneys the capacity, and they've had the support from the the bar associations and the ethics opinions to make it very clear that attorneys can now handle you know different you know just pieces of the case, enter a limited appearance. Like there's a lot of states now, like California, Washington, um, Colorado. Uh, Massachusetts, where they actually have forms that say notice of limited appearance that outlines the exact scope yes. of what is it they're covering, what yeah. they're providing for that attorney and what they're not as well. And so that you know gives attorneys a lot of um, solace in knowing that they're not going to get stuck if in the event that things become more complicated or they have the ability to, to limit the scope so that um, it gives them that flexibility of knowing that they can uh, work with folks uh, without having to do the whole thing all at once, right? My ex- exactly. My experience with family law, and I take on a lot more in terms of unbundle um, with family law, is that not only do you have the ability to um, do the limited scope of representation, but it appears that the court understands the concept a lot better, mm-hmm. and it's familiar. So the moment, like I've walked into um, hearings before, where the moment the ter- the court or the judge sees says limited, they will specifically even say, oh, counsel, I notice that you're here for a limited scope. Mm-hmm. And yes. they, so it's the, the amount of understanding of what it means to have a limited representation is not clear. Mm-hmm. So there's no misunderstanding. And everybody involved, you know, I don't have to always state what the limited scope is, but the fact that it's limited, yes, um, there is that understanding among all parties, you know, the judge and opposing counsel, that we, you know, that there is limitations here. Mm-hmm. With immigration law, um, I'm not sure that there is such thing as a limited scope representation. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets complicated. Um, where, you know, the moment that you come on, trying to explain to the judge that it's limited, I don't think there's, I, I don't think there's that, I don't know if the law doesn't support it or the lack of familiar, you mm-hmm. know, being familiar with what Unbundle does with immigration. Yeah. Um, so huge, there's a dis- very distinct distinction of how the court treats attorneys who take on those kind of cases. Mm-hmm. It is much easier and there's that free flowing of access mm-hmm. Yes. with family law. Yep. And other um, laws, actually. Like I do yeah. other civil litigation, and you can do Same limited thing. scope representation in business Same law thing. matters and in uh, any type of litigation. Yes. A judge is okay with that. So you, you, you are dealing, and you know, and I sympathize because I understand the struggle with that, and it's, and it's really a higher, from the attorney's perspective, it is a higher risk. Um, you know, well, representation. It, you know, and and what uh, what becomes difficult sometimes is if you've only been practicing state specific law and you're licensed in your own state and you have been able to do limited appearances, such as in family law matters, mm-hmm. and of course some states are more flexible than others. But when you have been uh, doing that, if you get into immigration without understanding that it's a federal law, mm-hmm. and you decide to take on those kind of cases, and uh, you know, if you have a family law. A person who comes in who needs you on a limited scope or any other law uh, and you go into King County Superior Court with your limited representation notice of appearance a judge isn't going to balk at that and he's going to no. think that that's okay yeah but there is of course no such thing in um, 
in immigration law. That's right. And that's something that's a key thing that attorneys need to understand when you are when you choose to do and even uh, in bankruptcy, it's the same way. These are federal judges. Federal judges don't like to get their dates changed. Federal judges are very strict and in, more inflexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is very difficult. Even the filing process is different. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you do everything to the T, your paperwork gets rejected. You don't yeah. even get before the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been a source of, of frustration. But I think, um, but even that, you know, I think you were mentioning how you try to provide unbundled services, even in the immigration stuff, meaning the, the doing the form preparation without being representing, without representing the client. That's more internal, right? That's more internal working of, okay, this is what I'm willing to do. Sometimes you just need the form fill out. Um, my office, I don't even do that because, um, you know, and the reason why I don't do that is, um, one, I don't like, um, I don't like the feeling that I'm just kind of in a way a rubber stamper, you know, somebody who comes in and just do the work and just fill out the forms. I really like the fact that if I'm going to do this, I want to be accountable. Mm-hmm. I will represent you because I know from my experience, no matter how carefully I monitor my staff's work or even my own work, there's going to be, I may make a mistake in answering a question. I may make a mistake here and there. And if I'm not on board, then when the mistake is discovered, which they will because you're dealing with so many forms and a lot of times, then I can say, oh, you know, I can provide an explanation and accountability and saying this is what happened and we move forward. Or I can, when I double check before the hearing or before the interview, then I can, then I can make sure that is remedied. Yes. That is fixed. So I, I don't, but I, I see the need, you know, I, I see the need of doing whatever you can at the time for the Yeah, and people. I think USCIS makes allowances for that. That's yes. specifically why they allow you to sign off as a preparer of the documents. Exactly. So if they do have any further questions, they contact you. Yeah. And um, so I don't, I, I feel like, you know, everybody has, especially with unbundled services, the clients that are online looking for help, they are looking for something within a specific budget. And I feel when they come to me, to me, I want to give them the best amount. And yeah, every time somebody options. comes, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I do. I don't do free consultations, but the consultation that they pay me for, it's, it's a hundred dollars and they get, they get treated they know everything when they when they leave my office. Mm-hmm. And I think that that for me, that's the most important thing. If they don't come back, that's fine because my costs are covered. But they know what their process is because I have had people come with completely misconstrued information from all the free consultations that they get. And they don't know what they're doing. And now they're in a worse position because they listen to that attorney and that attorney and that attorney. And... Right. Um, I don't, I think that, you know, I think in life in general, you get, you get what you pay for, you know? And so I definitely give them a full on explanation of everything that needs to be done. And with immigration, it's a lot easier if it's affirmative immigration. If you're just doing the forms, that's, you know, that's okay. Because you're not dealing with the courts. You're not dealing with the courts. But when you are getting into the litigation aspect of it, it is very difficult. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to protect your own self because you're you're liable. You're liable for your client's actions when you're start doing defensive immigration work. Yeah. But um, you know, for the limited scope, I think it's great. I think it's a great way as an attorney to help people and give them that support because when people come to me, they are scared. 
They don't know the court documents. They don't know the court process. They don't, they're scared that, you know, everybody that they've gone to is quoting them these crazy amounts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to be able to come to me and I can, I can prepare forms for them for a thousand bucks, you know, instead of some other attorney where they had to go pay $3,000 and they just don't have it. Yes. You know, being able to offer them a payment plan, that's very, that helps a lot of people out. And, you know, I am, I don't want to say like, maybe it's just altruistic, but I like helping people. And I noticed through a lot of volunteer work that I've done, there are some people that really need attorneys. Like they need it. They need that help. They need that support system. And they they really appreciate actually having someone who comes in and they get value for the dollar that they spend. And I always get like anybody who comes in and gives me that consultation, they will still come in and they'll say, Hey, can you just read my, I've done all the paperwork that you told yep. me. Can you just read it for me? And yep. I will pay you. So you never lose somebody that way. And, and as an attorney yourself, if you're charging a hundred or 150 for a consultation, what's happening is you're giving them the best advice that you can possibly give. And you're giving them very good quality because I don't like people to pay me for, you know, just take people's money. I like, I, if you're paying me, I want to give you a good service and I want to give you information that's going to be helpful to you and help you in your process, you know? So I think that's really important to understand how you have to limit yourself and what your, what, what products and services you're selling and what you're helping people with. Yeah. You know. So it's been interesting to hear kind of a contrast between you know how as an unbundled attorney you're trying to be more creative in the way you're working with people's budget to give the most amount of access to your services so people can get help. And obviously like you're saying there's a lot of people that are you know maybe can't qualify for legal aid or some of the nonprofit uh, support or maybe it's just not available in their in their in their locale or something. But they also can't afford, you know, three to five thousand dollars upfront. That's a common issue, of course, in family law and in many other areas of law as well. And so there's this gap. This is, you know, ever growing gap, which in family law and California courts, it's something like sixty-five percent of clients are self-represented, and you know that's been a big change just in the last ten to fifteen years. So um, maybe what would be helpful is, is to, you know, obviously there's certain limitations in immigration that yeah. don't exist in family law. Yeah. But what, but what you guys are doing is is still finding creative ways. Yeah. To work with clients and you know, like offering you know document preparation or you know some of the attorneys have been offering pay as you go. So maybe you guys can share some of the things that you've done to still apply that that creative kind of client centered solution based approach to working within people's budget and, and somehow still getting the help that they can uh, that they need to get through these processes given some of the constraints in the in the legislature. I um, I just want to take a moment to. Give a um, to clarify in terms of immigration because I we've been we were discussing a lot about the limitation of of unbundled in immigration and I don't want to discourage that because I think it needs to make make a very distinct unbundled service with immigration still works fantastic the only limit is you have to make the distinction whether it's litigation yes or if it's non litigation mm -hmm. if yeah. it's litigation meaning that you have to represent them in court for deportation and stuff that doesn't work as well simply because you're um, tied to the record. Yeah, I'm tied like, to the record and so you the can't law. limit the scope. Exactly. Yeah. You can't really limit it very well. But the majority of the people that come our way sometimes, it's not because they're in deportation, it's because they need help to fill out the forms with USCIS where yeah. they're going through the process of getting a green card, you know, citizenship, um, citizenship and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That 
under in that circumstance, it works very well because then we have room. For example, in, with Sunny, she can say, you know, oh, you don't. You don't need me to fully represent you and go to the interview and kind of guide you through the whole process, mm-hmm. but you need somebody to make sure that you can do it right so that you can get going in the process. That's fantastic, and you can yeah. limit it. You can say, you know, um, depending on how extensive the work is, you can say, okay, instead of paying me between three to five thousand for the whole process, I can do the preparation for you for twelve hundred, for fifteen uh-huh. hundred, yeah. and when you break it down in little chunks. It's not so financially overwhelming for people mm-hmm. because normally most people, for them to say, "Here's five thousand, here's three thousand at one time," how many months of saving is that for them? Right? Most people can't afford that in real life. That's the reality of what this is, of what we live. Most of us can't afford that. You know, for them to do that, that means a mortgage payment. You know, it means their. Uh, you know, healthcare is not getting met. I mean, some yeah. sort of really necessary. Things that they need, day-to-day stuff. So, under that circumstance, with an exception of litigation, unbundle works very well mm. with immigration as well as family law. Yeah. And also, just to, in addition to that, I've noticed that I don't get too many people who are looking for litigation. That's right. Which they, yeah. a lot of people are looking for. I got married, or I'm yes. seeing someone. Or I want to bring my cousin, or I want to, you know. So those are the it's people. Probably less than ten percent, I would think, of the leads that we. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah, between ten and fifteen. Is the litigation side relative to the, the, mm-hmm. the family petitions and yeah. business right. related stuff? I mean, yeah, I've had, you know, rarely do I get like I've I have had it, but I've had some people who will call and say, "Oh, somebody just arrested my boyfriend," you know. That at that point, you know, okay, that's, that's a that's a that's yeah, a litigation. Yeah. But more than anything, everybody's just curious. They're on that, and that's why they go online. Somebody who's looking for a budget, they're like, something needs to be done. I want my husband here, or my boyfriend here, or whatever. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Or it's students, and of course, students uh, that are between the ages uh, or here, who are between the ages of twenty and maybe thirty, but generally it's around you know twenty six, twenty seven. Those people are. Uh, looking for something that's cheap, and what can I do to change my status? Or it's J one, au pairs. But most of those people are affirmative. So I do think, even with that little bit of litigation, even if you can't take that case on, mm-hmm. um, it's not it's not overwhelming for yes. for unbundled because that what's happening with unbundled is it's all just regular kind of people who want who want to actually take that affirmative action instead of the defensive action. So, well, let's take because uh, obviously, this when you have the litigation cases, which as we're saying is kind of the more of the minority of the types of you know, leads you, you guys get, at least with a model attorney. And I think, generally speaking, the vast majority of people that are going through immigration process, I don't know what the statistics are, but they're general petitions, right? Mm-hmm. Filing for status, filing for citizenship, and so forth, especially with the new administration. People that otherwise used to be permanent residents or didn't quite have status are saying, hey, you know. I might want to secure this a little better and, mm-hmm. and go down the path of citizenship, right? So maybe we can talk about that at some point here before we wrap up. But um, maybe it'd be helpful just to lay out some of the options within the family petitions of ways either you would provide unbundling or uh, for representation. Uh, you know, maybe give some examples of, of you know pay as you go payment plan types of approaches so that attorneys that maybe haven't explored as many of the creative approaches of working around people's budgets um, might be able to get some ideas. For ways they can start to do that to be able to you know continue to help more clients that maybe can't do the full retainer up front um, and still be able to serve them but also still be able to do it properly too. I love doing unbundle with family law. With family law, yeah. <laughs> and even with litigation in that aspect. And what I did with 
what I'm discovering with litigation is clients will wait and wait and wait and will try to resolve their family law case on their own, which is totally understandable because it costs so much. And then they realize, oh, no, there is no way I can resolve this on my own. And they maybe have a week. And then they're like, they get overwhelmed. They kind of, in a way, disengage and try to, you know, not deal with it. And then they realize they can't run away from it. Litigation is right in front of their face. And they will start panicking. Yeah. And they will come to me. And um, That's where panic sets in, huh? Panic yeah. sets in. <laughs> and I don't know who's crazier, the client or me. Because <laughs> when they come, you know. Oh, I have a week, or I have three days, I'm in trial, I have, you know, all these things are not being done. And even under that circumstance, I will say, yep, I can do it, unbundled, even through litigation. What I do then at that point is I, I look at their situation, and I can kind of guess after a while, after doing this for a while, and say, it's going to take you three days for me to try your case. And, you know, I calculate eight hours a day. And then I just do a flat fee. For me to try your case for this three days, here's how much it's going to cost. And most of the time when they're like, okay, I understand, I get it, they'll go with it. They'll figure it out because they've tried their best to resolve it. Mm -hmm. They know that it's going to cost them to resolve it. But they, they tried, they made an attempt. And now there is no other option but to move forward with this. Sure. And um, I actually love it. I mean, I actually love having clients coming the week before their case because then I don't have to spend like hours and hours and hours yeah. trying to, to do trial prep. Instead, I just, in a way, kind of, um, you know, not, yeah, in a way, I love winging it, but. You're doing um, the best you can with what you got, right? And yeah, and most yeah. of the time it's still that, it's, um, it's, it's still that way. And I think because of my background, when you're with family law case, you have, it's a bench trial. Yeah. And I've been trained to do jury trial. Mm-hmm. So the dynamic and the level of stress is not the same. Yeah. For me, it's much more manageable. So I can literally, I can just walk in the day before, I can walk in the hour before, and mm-hmm. I can try your case. Because being trained as a trial lawyer in jury trial, it's transferable skills. Uh-huh. So I can use my skill to help the client, um, you know, who, if they did it themselves, have no skill whatsoever to try their case, mm-hmm. to deal with the law or even the trial process. Um, Would that be a, a notice of limited appearance when you, when you take things on more of a short notice like that? Yeah, or- I have literally an hour before walk into court and give the court. No, I mean, sometimes I don't even have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. I would literally announce, um, you know... Uh, on record saying my limited appearance is to try the case. (laughs) (laughs) And the judge just goes, okay, counsel. (laughs) And I, you know, and I literally, you know, I have the judge's clerk running around trying to make copies because my client obviously don't know how to prepare their case for for trial. And, you know, everybody just work with what they have, Mm -hmm. including the court. And, and the judge, understandably, and they are so grateful. I mean, at that well, so moment. Cl- that client's still in a better position, even if you're yeah. not as prepared as you'd like to be. Exactly. If they're on their own, they, you know, they, they, you know yeah, they have a much lesser chance to try to do it. Yeah. You, you can't try your own case. Yeah. There is just no way to do it. Mm. You need somebody to try your case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either the attorney or you don't get to really try your case. Because most of the time, the other party that comes on, they have an attorney. 
And there is no, no matter how knowledgeable you are and how comfortable you are doing pro se, doing it on your own, there is no way you can advocate yourself yeah. for yourself under that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Well, I can imagine that a lot of attorneys would look at that and be like, well, I need at least this much time to prepare because you know, they're thinking about all the contingencies and everything they'd want to make sure is you know, perfectly in order and, yes. and dialed in and fully researched and everything, right? But at the same time, it's like, if I don't take, do this, then this person would be in a much worse position, that's right? Exactly. So that's that's the kind of the concept that Forrest Most and I have been talking about a lot is like, yes. and this is the the underlying principle and philosophy of unbundled legal services is like, and the, I think the judges agree with this that that client is better off yes. having a little bit of help from an attorney than no help than, than no help at all. Exactly. Well, my position with that is, and you're a trial lawyer, is that most. You would agree. Most attorney will not take on a case an hour before and, and try it. Okay, I'm one of the few, right? <laughs> yeah. okay, you have to, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, to have opposing counsel say, uh, I've never done it in my 40 years of practice. I mean, there's a reason why. But my position on, <laughs> and my position on that is because that issue is really not a client issue. That's really about the attorney. Mm-hmm. And all, all the emotional stuff that comes into in trying cases, whether it's because, it's not because I can't do a good job for the client, it might be because nobody likes to lose. The yeah. risk of, for that attorney to lose a case when you walk in an hour before, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a fear factor because nobody likes to lose. Yes. And I guess I'm one of the few that's, <laughs> that's like, you know, I don't know, I guess if I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose. Because the fact is, I'd rather have the client, like you said, they are still better off with me on there, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even if I fumble through it, even if I have to ask them every other sentence when the you know when their case is put on, do you have this, do you have that? Yeah. You know, it is better, at least with me on there, at least there's somebody there advocating for them. Yeah. They have at least a voice mm-hmm. and to protect them. Yeah. Well, we're taking this, I think this would be probably the most extreme example of limited scope <laughs> in the sense of like, it's an hour before, are you better off, right? But we can take that and look at it from all facets of providing. Are they better off with just a consultation, mm-hmm. with just an hour or two of coaching mm-hmm. at any phase in the process? Yes. Are they better with having someone just draft some documents for them and make sure they don't make procedural errors just because everything's in legalese and they don't fully understand like what, you know, how to fill it out once it's filed, what happens, is there a deadline, is there going to be a court date when I go to court, who's going to talk, like just understanding even the basics. Mm-hmm. And it, it, even if that was all you could provide, that would still put the person in a better position, right? And so it kind of threads through all the different amount of services you might provide at any different level of the process from, you know, from an hour before court <laughs> all the way back to just helping someone better understand what is going to be the process when they file those documents in the court and what's going to happen next and how to respond and just getting them the basic understandings that a lot of attorneys just sometimes, you know, can easily take for granted because they're doing it every day of understanding what to expect. I think, I think the key thing that I'm hearing from you that is really critical. And I think that, you know, with Sunny and I and why we do this is access. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people out there do not have access. Mm-hmm. And having access to legal help or even just access to the judicial system is a privilege. And what we're saying that is that we recognize that it is a privilege and we want to give it to everybody. It should be a right. Yeah. 
This is the kind of access that when you live in some places like we do in the U.S., that it shouldn't be given to the few. Yeah. And that those who have the ability to give access should do whatever they can to give that, to serve that. This is really the power of accessing a system that for the longest time, unless you have the money and the resource, you can't have access to. And the harm that it has been causing those who lack the access. Mm-hmm. Well, what's fortunate nowadays is we now have the support of the courts, of the bar associations, especially in family law, and to certain limitations within immigration in some areas of law. But especially family law, I mean, it's one of the most underserved areas of the law right now. The support is there. The ethics opinions are there. And so at this point, it really is just an education, awareness, yes. and understanding of how to deliver these services effectively. Um, and so maybe we can talk a bit about, you know, what are some of the things that you've, uh, you've, you've implemented in your practice to be able to, to provide a model services efficiently? What are some of the things that, you know, for attorneys that are newer to providing these options that say, hey, you know, like, I became a lawyer because I wanted to help people. Yeah, I want to make some money too. And so how do, you, how do you do both, right? How do you, you know, serve a lot of clients and also build a very profitable practice because that's what, you know, both of you have accomplished. It's still business have, at the end, right? Yeah, we have hundreds I mean, of attorneys We can be as nice as we want to be, but yeah. I know for me when I, uh, I hadn't ever thought about unbundled services until I actually reached or Graham reached out to me mm-hmm. and uh, I thought okay this is fine let's try it and one of the first things that I did was I had I came up with my spiel of what I'm going to say to the clients and how much time I'm going to give to them before having them come in and in the beginning I was spending two hours on the phone with people sometimes because I didn't <laughs> know how to do this you know and it's always a hit or miss so you you will come up with your own strategy of how long you're going to take and invest in that phone call to have them come in because your time is also money and you have to treat it like a business you know if it's costing you x amount of dollars to get a lead and then you're spending an hour of your time that lead is costing you 150 dollars if you're only charging 100 dollars for a consultation you know, you're not really making your costs up. So you always have to know exactly how much time something's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, unbundled, so for me, I have a boutique firm. So I do a lot of civil litigation. I do bankruptcies. I do wills and estates. I do real estate. I do evictions. And I do, uh, of course, immigration. And what I started doing was I actually made lists of what are the different types of things that people are looking for. So I have, for example, I tell them, like if somebody comes to me and let's say they're initiating a divorce, I can tell them all the documents that they're going to need and I tell them what they need in that consultation. Then if they decide to go forward with from and want actual representation, I have a list. This is how much it's going to cost to draft your initial documents. This is how much it's going to cost if you want me to represent you in this. And this is so and I think that's key in any business that you're doing as an attorney. You need to know the basic stuff of what's what needs to be done and how much time is it going to take me and how can I break off each piece of that? Yes. If you want to file for a spouse, you need to file the I-130 and adjustment of status. If you only want me to do the I-130, I will do that for X dollars. If you want me to do the adjustment of status, I could do the I-485. It's going to cost you X or I could do the full package. It'll cost you X. Right. And same thing with a divorce. If you want me to do just your um, initial petition and 
all the documents associated with that. It's going to cost X. If you have a child and now I need to do a parenting plan, it's X. Some people have come to me with, with, uh, with, uh, you know, after they filed their, their divorce and they didn't file any kind of a parenting plan. So now they're fighting over the kids. So all I really need to, and they need help with someone to, and the courts rejected everything. And so they need help with a proper parenting plan. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to break down whatever area of law, like for, for my uh, evictions for landlords, when they come to me, I charge a flat fee to go put on the three day notice. Then I charge a flat fee for an order to show cause. And I charge a flat fee for, and so these, this way it makes it clear to the client as well, because when the client is looking, they're saying, okay, well, I only need you to do this. And they feel more in control. They feel mm-hmm. like this could fit within my budget and it's not so bad. Yep. And, and that client that'll come in usually who's like, oh, I'm only going to do the $500 one. After they pay the $500, they're like, well, I kind of want you to hold my hand a little bit more and they'll pay you more. And yes. that 500 can add up to 5,000 really quick. Yeah, um, like but, the, but they're also paying you as you're delivering each as service, right? So your account receivable is mm-hmm. basically zero. Yeah, should be 100, percent right? Yeah, and it's really nice because generally, I find that most people in, in, that come to an attorney that are are working with a budget, if you if they feel like they're getting a good value for their dollar, you'll always get paid. Mm-hmm. As long, but they need to know what they're paying for, and most people don't know what they're paying for. They don't know the law. Nobody. I can say adjustment of status package, but people aren't going to know what that is, yes. you know. And so once I break it down for them, then they understand the amount of work that goes into it, and the value for their dollar, and the fact that they they like their people like that because they get gain an understanding of what the attorney's actually doing, and yeah. they don't feel so bad paying you. And I think that's what it is at the end of the day: is every single thing you should have a sheet. I'd break it down to the most minute detail. And that I find has really helped me a lot. And that actually came about after I, I first, when I first started with Unbundled, I started with the family law. And then I would think we added on the immigration. And that's what I, I did that for the family law. I did that for the immigration. Yep. And uh, in other advertising that I do, I still will advertise just a flat rate divorce and I have a breakdown. And that I find is really easy. You give them a a cost sheet. I mean, I don't have it on the website, but I have it there for them to take a look at, which is really, I think that helps people out a lot. And I think it's a very practical way for, you know, the the guy who works nine to five or the woman who's a single mom who's working nine to five and and doesn't have time. I also offer evening and weekend appointments too, by the way, because I think that's key as well with people. They need that flexibility. A lot of people can't make it nine to five, especially people who are on a budget. They don't want to take that time off of work. Yes. You know, mind you, you know, they'll be like, oh, I have an appointment with a lawyer. And so they'll move their whole schedule around. But at the end of the day, I think it's for, uh, the easier we make it for them and the clearer we make it for them, the better business it is for us. Yeah, the and lower the, the initial financial barrier, mm-hmm. right? Like I've had, I've had um, people who have come to me with consultation uh, for a consultation through Unbundled and they liked the consultation. So, and even though they didn't need me, they've sent me other people. So I make additional consultation fees and they, and I've had people who, uh, have shown up potential clients who have shown up with that same price list that I give to people. Right. And uh, I think that's really helpful. People want that. Right. You don't see that. You can't go on an attorney's website and know exactly how much it's going to cost to do something. There's not too many law firms that do that. They just want you to call. And that's where people get kind of, or feel like they get ripped off a little bit, I guess. I think you've raised just a really critical point that I think 
any attorney that's looking to implement unbundled legal services or offer more creative and flexible solutions uh, needs to t take the time to do, which is to actually quantify each specific aspect of a case. What, what Forrest Mosin would talk about the, the horizontal plane is like from point A, here's all the tasks that need to be accomplished. You know, file the petition, prepare the documents, then, then you know, deal with any responses, right? And then you have the appearance and you have mediation, right? So there's these phases of the process that can all be broken down and then quantified to figure out how much time does it take to do each phase. And then depending on where clients come to you with wherever they're at in the phase, you can also focus specifically on what that next phase is and allow the client to get an opportunity to work with you just for that next segment. And that's really what they're focused on right now. You don't have to get... They don't have to come up with the money for the whole rest of the case. They can just deal with this. And then like you said, so people can afford that. But then also, once they handle that and they've had an opportunity to work with you and get a feel for what, you know, the type of services you can provide and obviously, you know, you've developed some rapport there, then a lot of them will come back and obviously retain for the next or the next. Or even just say, hey, you know what? I really am realizing or maybe I'm a little bit over my head here and find a way to, to come up with the rest for the full representation or work out a payment arrangement and so forth. So for attorneys to take the time to quantify what each step in the process uh, is going to take this far as time and obviously perhaps even charging a flat rate for each phase, mm -hmm. right? Because then you can start to build in some, some efficiencies, right? Some technology in order to streamline it. Maybe that would be a, you know, a separate topic we could cover if we have time. But, um, if you're doing it as a flat rate, you can, you know, obviously build a little bit more effective, uh, effective hourly rate in there, like a higher effective hourly rate by having staff and so forth. But just being able to look at things one phase at a time so that people can afford it and it's accessible. Uh, it, that's something that really attorneys need to take the time to do. Well, the problem with uh, flat rate is sometimes what happens with flat rate is you'll end up making 10 bucks an hour. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Sometimes with flat rate, you will walk away and you will make a good amount of, you, you'll make your fee. Yeah, or even, sometimes or even more, right? It does. So that is the little bit where, where that shies some attorneys away. But at the end of the day, you are helping somebody out. And if they have a little bit more paperwork, it shouldn't be something that's so overwhelming for you as an attorney, because if you're doing your job right, you, you'll, you'll be able to do what needs to be done in order to service that client properly. Yes. And I think it's very key to know what your skill set is, what you are doing. Don't say that I'm an immigration attorney and I do affirmative petitions and then you don't know the difference between, or you have to keep up with the law. You know, you need to know what needs to be filed and what the deadlines are. So that's the key thing is you need to know exactly what the process is so you can have a conversation with somebody and explain to them how to go through their divorce or how to set up probate or how to draft a will. Like all yes. of these things, it's very key for, for you as an attorney to know what you're practicing. Right. It's not something for the faint hearted if you're going to take trials three, she's days, not. three days before Clearly the not. date, but you know. Um, yeah, you can't, you know, this is, you're special. <laughs> you know what, I've heard that before. That. That's amazing. I, I respect that good. a lot. That's hard. Yeah, you know, I but am special. <laughs> we don't, that's a very specific, that's rare. That, that doesn't happen, you know. People, people generally who are looking and go through unbundled services are people who are working with a limited budget and who don't really know what to do. Yes. And your job is to give it to them in a reasonable manner and you need to know what to do and how much time it's going to cost you and how much money you want to make off of it. So sure. it's very important to have a breakdown, even if it's for your own personal 
self where you're not giving that information to the client, you need to know yourself how much time you're willing to invest in something and how much you're going to charge people. Because otherwise, I mean, you're, we're all running a business, you know, yes. and, and uh, that's important. <laughs> Well, I'm special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I glad we've established that. <laughs> so, I, so I do it kind of a little differently. Sure. Um, maybe not so different, but my experience in dealing with unbundled clients have been um, more what I've discovered. It's not so much about the money, but it's about establishing this beyond-the-surface trust with your attorney. Most clients who come in, they realize because, you know, they're, um, they know what it's like to be in real life, like that there is a cost to everything. Mm-hmm. The issue they have, I think it's not so much the paying you what you're worth, but it's the ability to, to trust you enough that you're going to do it, that you're not out there and that you're not the general perception or stereotype of an attorney who's going to basically, you know, um, just take their money and not really care for them. Mm-hmm. What I discover is the moment that you connect with the client and really tell them what the truth is about their case or just be real with them, mm-hmm. then I can literally tell them, at the end of the day, this is how much it's going to cost you. And we can help or I can help. I understand how hard it is and I can help you by breaking it down. And it, usually 90% of the time it works. Mm. So I don't think for me, with my experience, I don't think it's so much the money issue as whether is if I give you this much because I work so hard for my money, how do I trust that you really are going to care for me? Yeah. How do I trust that I'm not just going to be a number mm-hmm. to you? That whether I win or lose or the consequence of me losing this, you know, this hearing or that hearing really has no significance for you, that I'm just a customer, somebody that you are here, that I'm here to support your lifestyle. The moment that you take that away, then you can have a real deep conversation and say, you know what, for me to do this and to get the outcome that I know I can for you, here's how much it's going to cost us. Here's how much it's going to cost you. Then somehow they are going to be honest with me and say, you know what, I have this much to spend. Mm -hmm. And to make it work, I can get a family support. I can get, you know, a third party to support me. What they really want is, I just need to know that you're really behind me, that you're not going to be like the second attorney that I spoke with a while ago that took on my case and, and I felt completely abandoned. That somehow through this process, once again, rather than feeling empowered by this process, I just feel like I got taken advantage of. I need to know that you're one of the few exceptions, that you're not going to take advantage of me because I'm in a position where I have no power and, mm-hmm. I'm, and the only person I can rely on you is you right now. How do I yeah. know that I can trust you? Yeah. So I think that's why, you know, and I don't, when I take those cases to trial, the one that, you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Because that's three, four days solid out of my days. Yeah. To do those kind of cases, I do ask for right up front. I need from you seven to ten thousand. Because there's no time for I you have to no like time. be flexible and, around that. Yeah, time. and I and I explain to them my general hourly rate is, and here's how much each day without any prep time that I'm going to be in court for your case. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there's that psychological connectiveness that they know, they know people are so 
emotionally intelligent. They know when you connect with them and are telling them the truth. And they know, what's more, they know if you truly love them, that you're gonna help love them through this process and this crisis that they found themselves in. So I think once we get through that, then we can talk about the practical matter. Mm-hmm. And we can, I can be honest, and I, can, I said this to the client, and I say, you know, for me this, to do this work, I know it's gonna sound like a lot of money, but what I need, I need to know that I need to be taken care of as well. And for me to do a good job, and to feel like I'm also taken care of. This is how much I need from you in terms of cost-wise. And generally, I think generally we connect and we get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, you know, so for me, I don't have. I wish well, you know. I'm, I'm more, more <laughs> practical. I think, you know, I'm learning so much from you of being practical. But... Um, in terms of oh, that's cost. why I don't do too much family loss. Too much connection required. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that's how I've been able to do it. But of course, I also keep in mind. You know, I know I've been doing this long enough to know how much in reality, how much is gonna in terms of time wise. Mm-hmm. So I gauge that, mm-hmm. but I I don't break it down to that specific as mm-hmm. she does. But I think sometimes it would help. Maybe I should integrate well, that more. Well, I find with unbundled it helps, and um, of course my unbundled I just I just use immigration, and a lot of the people that come to me are landlords and and things like that. So I have found that it has really helped me out because yeah. I like the limited scope representation. I think it's a great way to have your legal practice without having the stresses. Because to me, uh, going to trial and preparing for trial in three days is highly stressful. And I think it's highly stressful for a lot of attorneys. Yeah. You know, this is a skill set that you have, and that's great that you know our state allows that limited representation. But in general, most people aren't litigators. Litigators are generally more expensive anyways. And for me, I always, uh, I just like the practicality of it because, you know, when you're dealing with uh, businessmen and you're dealing in, in uh, immigration, they wanna people want to know the bottom line. line. You yeah. want to know the numbers. It's the bottom line, and, right? And, and, you know, as an attorney, and I think a lot of people, and I've heard this complaint a lot of times with attorneys, you hire an attorney, you pay them the 5000 or the $10,000 retainer. And then you get a bill in a month. And the bill is for every single phone call that you've made. You know, I like flat rate service. I like that. Because what happens is when somebody pays me and I, and especially in my litigation work that I do, I do charge for every phone call. Because even if I charge you 15 minutes, but I was only on the phone with opposing counsel for five, I also had to open up your file and get familiar with everything and check my emails and make sure everything is right. And I don't say anything wrong. And so it takes a lot of time in order to do that. So litigation in and of itself is very expensive. But yes. when it's uh, people who come to me through unbundled are really just regular people who don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, I don't get too much immigration litigation. I get, like I said, 10 to 15 percent. Mostly it's people saying, I don't know what to do and yes. how much is it going to cost me? How much are you going to charge me? How do I? And and even, you know, when I'm uh, when I'm looking for certain things online, I want to know how much it is. You know, when yeah. I'm ordering something on Amazon, I'm checking to see what am I going to get on my prime membership and how quickly am I going to get it? You know, yeah. and I think all of us sort of operate that way. We We go out there and we try to find what works within our budget. And I also think that people who come to me through Unbundled are not very experienced legally themselves. Mm-hmm. Sure. They haven't dealt with attorneys before. No. They don't know the legal system. So what they're looking for is that little bit of guidance, which I feel $100 for a consultation with an attorney is very reasonable mm-hmm. and it really helps them out. 
because then they realize either I can't do anything or I can do something. This is what I can do. And here's how much it's going to cost me. And that's the bot. People, I will, as soon as I call, so many people I call back and the first thing they want to know is how much is it going to cost me for X? And I have found that it's best to, and when they ask me that, the, my main thing, and that's one thing is just calling your leads back and talking to them. You will find a lot of these leads will, they want to know right away, how much is it going to cost me? How can I fix it? Mm-hmm. And you can't give legal advice that way. Legal advice is, and, and so I always say to them, I, first what I do is I listen to what they have to say. And I, of course, check my lead and make sure what details are included in that lead. Uh, I will listen to what they have to say. And I say, look, I recommend come in for a consultation. Let me take a look at everything so I can properly advise you instead of just saying something off the cuff. Yep. Because I don't want you to take action on my words and you are in a worse position. Yep. So come in. Spend that money and actually learn what you need to learn about your case. And I do, there was months when I first started where my business was just doing consultations and that's all I was doing, you know, with Unbundled. And I, at one month, I actually had a hundred percent people who came in for a consultation. I didn't, I may not have been retained by all those hundred percent, but they came in to learn what, what, you know, how to resolve their situation. And I think that that's really key. They want to know how much and what's going on and what can I do or can I do something? Well, I think we're addressing, you know, the underlying, I think, thrust of what you were getting at is that people have natural inhibition about meeting with an attorney. Mm -hmm. There is a inherent distrust or at least lack of understanding that puts them in a vulnerable position, especially when they're handing over the reins to someone else to help them with something that's so important to them whether it be the rights of their children or their ability to become residents in this country. And there's inherently a lot of um, control that you're giving up in order to make that happen. And so, you know, by your means of communication and instilling that and coming from that space in the heart and by your means of making it very simple for them to take a first step and get an opportunity to work with you and sit down with you without, you know, a very big financial barrier. And then even just to get started, you know, where they only have to, you know, commit to one phase of it, you know, on the, on the, on the horizontal um, it's, it gives them an opportunity to get to know you, right? And to get more comfortable knowing that you're on their side and give an opportunity to work with them and communicate with them. And, uh, we had Anthony Sanders uh, on the podcast early, uh, a couple few episodes ago. I think the episode was called The Try It Before You Buy Enrollment Strategy. Um, and what he talked about is he, he basically refuses to enroll anyone into his services for full representation right away. He won't take the full retainer right up front. He will only start with the unbundled services first. Mm -hmm. And he says, try out my services. Get to know who I am. Get to know how we can help you. And then once you've had an opportunity to experience the work we can do for you, then you can make an informed decision as to whether you want to continue moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same philosophy in your approach and your communication. And your option is giving people the opportunity to feel comfortable and know that you can help them Mm -hmm. uh, without having to make such a huge decision because it's already so so much is on the line uh, just with their case that having to make a huge decision financially just makes it so much harder for people to do that. A lot of people just can't. Mm-hmm. But once they know that you're on their side and you've got their back and, and that you're an advocate for them, you know, people are pretty resourceful. They can find the resources they need. They can get the support they need when they know they've got someone that's behind them that can help them. Mm-hmm. No, I love that concept. I love the concept of try it out, you know, try me out first, then invest in me. Sure. You know, and I think that I think that idea is um, a fantastic idea because also it's just not them trying you out. It's also them 
It's also you, you trying them out, yeah. Me, you mm-hmm. know, trying to figure out because, you know, the key of doing a good job, um, for me, because I don't, I don't want to just this work that I do is just not work. It's just not something that I do just to get done. I feel like for me, I want to do something with it more. I want to, I want to make it purposeful. Yeah. I want to be impactful. And I recognize that with my personality and my, you know, my skill, I'm not gonna fit everybody. Mm-hmm. And so the key for me to do, the, for me to doing this long term, and for my happiness as well as for those I serve, is to make sure that we're a match. Yeah, and that's an alignment of your brand, right? That's really what you were you grounding in is like, yes. hey, this is who I'm standing for, and getting clear enough for yourself and right. also for your clients and, and exactly. finding that match. And that's why unbundled service. You know, we. We were giving in this conversation is like two different style. Sure. And and it works for you. The same underlying philosophy mm-hmm. exactly. and same underlying purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing that I really um, you know appreciate and um, recognize how how fantastic unbundled service is that no matter where you're coming from as an attorney. No matter what paradigm that you're working with, whether it's more of the old school, you know, give me the retainer because you've been working or interning with a bigger law firm, that's how you're taught. Mm-hmm. What Unbundled Service allows us to do is to kind of try things out in a way, at a pace, that's more true to us. Mm-hmm. She's comfortable with more practical and her clients are going to want to have her and need her to be like that because mm-hmm. that's what makes sense to them. Yes. I, on the other hand, have a completely different approach. But those clients that come to me are going to need me to be that way. Yes. So the flexibility, however mm-hmm. this works, um, is wonderful. And unbundled service is a different paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. It's a different paradigm of way of practicing mm-hmm. that is not familiar and it may be uncomfortable because it's a new paradigm. Yeah. And anytime you do something different, before it becomes comfortable, it has to be so freakingly uncomfortable first, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, in the past, it's really comfortable when you're working for the law firm when everything is established. And as an attorney, all you do, the role that you take, is do the job. You do the legal work. The firm has established all the foundation that you need: the marketing, bringing on the clients, the billing, whatever is already established. All you have to do as an attorney is be an attorney. The role when you're a sole practitioner or you're a small business owner is you no longer can afford to work in that paradigm. Mm-hmm. You have to take on the role of everything and everything. But in order for you to survive, you have to do it and come it from a come from the space that's honest to you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it won't work. And unbundled service gives you the ability to try out something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know you. And it's, it's not one of those where it's so earth-shaking that it's an, um, if you do it wrong or if you can't figure it out, it's going to create a crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much flexibility mm-hmm. to how to do this. There's so many ways and so many models. The creativity. You know, the moment you become real and true, the space to be creative is boundless. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. 
Sunny has been able to figure out and say, "Oh, this is what I want to do." It makes it fun. I, yes, I think it's fun because you're experimenting, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. you're experimenting, you're learning, you're, you're creating. Yeah, you're, you're creating. Definitely creative creativity, yes. and it's not as stressful. Like the lo- job of an attorney is highly, highly stressful, and. I'm sure the level of stress that you experience if you take a, a trial on at the last minute compared to being there from the inception all the way to the end of trial, it's a completely different level of stress. The amount of stress that you get when you're fully responsible for every single detail, not only does your liability increase, but your stress level is high. You're thinking about that case all the time. And the, the typical training in an attorney is you start from A and you're taking it all the way to Z. I mean, Z. Z. <laughs> you meant Z. The Canadian, the Canadian influence sneaked up, snuck in the back door there. Okay. But you have to do all of these things. And when you only have to come in when you're at the... You know, when you're at the Y and then you're right at the Z, that's okay. You know, or if you only have to do the B, that's okay. That's right. And and yeah. the stress level, and and I and this is the thing with a lot of um, a lot of bar associations offer programs for attorneys because attorneys are notoriously known for having a lot of issues in terms of alcoholism and addiction issues and problems with their families, and it comes from that degree of stress. Yeah. In order to alleviate that, this is one way that you can do that. You have you offer limited scope representation, and your liability decreases, the stress decreases because once you're done with the hearing and you file your motion for summary judgment and you argue it, you're done. The motion for summary judgment takes you maybe a month. Uh, to to write up, you get your date, you file it. Thirty days later, you argue it, and you're done. Yes. And that's only a sixty day worth of stress on a trial level instead of an entire year, which yeah. is how long uh, it takes generally from the inception until the end of a lawsuit. Uh, so that's one thing that is really helpful. And many attorneys are trained in a completely different manner. So when somebody is more, let's say, old school, and they've been practicing for about twenty twenty five years, they don't know how to get out of that mentality. And this is a perfect way to get out of it, is, is do the limited scope representation, your liability decreases, your stress decreases. And it, you know, I, of course, you know, do it more on a practical level. Um, because for me, I, I think, depending on, I, I can't, I'm not gonna connect with somebody who I'm just gonna go represent for, for one minute. And sure. because what's gonna happen and I know if I take your approach, what's going to happen is not only is it going to stress me out, but I actually have people who will constantly call me after that because not at that point they're yeah they're they're depending on you and they want to they want to ask your advice and they value your opinion. But once it ends up happening is you're thinking about their case all the time. If they're calling you and you just give them like I said an off the cuff remark on the phone and say, well, no, you shouldn't do that. And they act on that. Now they trust you and you're, mm-hmm. you're that person to them. That's the authority on that subject. So that it makes it really hard to disengage once you, once they do that. And then you have to say, look, I need you to come in and I need you to pay me more and actually properly hire me mm-hmm. and, and sign a retainer agreement uh, to that effect. But uh, so generally I just find that people are for, for me as an attorney myself, it really, there's just not a lot of stress involved. Yeah. You know, I could do 10 consultations and well, not 10, but you know, I did five consultations in a day. That's maybe five hours of my day. I've made some money. I've hopefully signed a, a retainer, but the rest of the people aren't going to affect me socio or not sociologically, psychologically in terms of what I'm going to do for the rest of my day. And I, and I like that aspect of it. I like the not too stressful, you yeah. know, uh, well, this is nice. one of the this is one of the um, 
the joys of this podcast has been is that we now have 50 episodes with 50 different attorneys all having their unique approach mm -hmm. to the same challenge of like, how do we impact the accessibility of legal services? How do we make it more affordable? How do we give people confidence in their willingness to move forward and know that they have someone that's behind them, right? And so they're really, you know, there's specific guidelines that every attorney has to follow when it comes to unbundled services. Yeah, you have to be expressed about the, the, the scope of the services you're providing, mm -hmm. right? You have to also be clear, you know, when, when that needs to modify or change and needs to step in the process. So there's certain guidelines, but, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. It can be in person. It can be hour by hour. It can be one flat rate. Some attorneys take, you know, are kind of, you know, self-proclaimed horse and buggy type of approach where it's just, you know, written documents, writing it down. Others have streamlined, automated technological systems in place all in the cloud with, you know, you know, the most of the latest, you know, legal practice technology that streamlines the whole process. It's all electronically from the button, right? But at the same time, everyone's approaching it from whatever makes the most sense for them and is the, the way in which they want to interface with their clients. And at the end of the day, we're all accomplishing the same goal which is you know, getting more people legal services in this country that otherwise would be unable to, to afford or access it uh, without it. As Sunday was speaking, um, what came to my mind was, you know, our focus has been in terms of providing unbundled service is to provide it basically an individualized need for the client. And then it just dawned on me, you know what? Anytime you give, it's really not just about the person you're giving to, it's also about us. And it just dawned on me that what unbundled service um, does for the attorney, and you know, instead of unbundled, maybe it should be thought of as individualized practice. Mm -hmm. It allows the attorney to really fit and work the case that is specifically tailored to them mm -hmm. at whatever capacity that they want to get involved in. Sure, but it's also very uncomfortable because not everybody. It, it doesn't have that predictability of I'm going to sign you up from A and then I'm going to be in charge A, B, C, D. So it requires a different types of personality mm -hmm. and a different shift of thinking as an attorney yeah. to be opened, to be creative, and to, in a way, to kind of go with the flow a little bit and not have, not have that sense of control. I'm going to control the outcome. I'm going to you know, control point A to point B. And this is no. how it has to be. Yes. As soon as you fossilize your options. That's right. Like it's like you, you become rigid, rigid and you're just. You, you break. Yeah. So what this allows is this is an opportunity for the attorney to practice in an individualized manner. Yeah. Not just for the client, but also for the attorney. Mm -hmm. I mean, how great is that? Because, you know, most of us go into this profession because we want to have the freedom and we have to have the power to maneuver and control our own life. Well, I wanted to change the world. But and change the world in the happen. process, right? <laughs> and change the world in the process, right? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, excuse me, I want to say shit, but, you know, yeah. we're going to be That's broadcast. all, Sonny? I mean, you really got to step <laughs> yeah. up your commitment here. I mean, come on, right? And then you're, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, no, I'm actually trapped yeah. in how to do this, you know? Because there's not... There's not that freedom. Mm -hmm. There's not as much as freedom. You get stuck. You get stuck. And you get stuck with all the mentality of everybody who has come before you and all the people who are training you and what yes. you thought your profession was going to be. And as a small business owner and uh, or a solo practitioner. Or a minority. Stress, or a minority. You know, we or, have so many layers yeah, of, you it's, know. Uh, the, the issue then becomes is, you know, how do you get that business? I know for me, when... Um, 
when I started my own practice, I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to get the business? And, uh, you know, it was nice to be out volunteering. But, you know, when you're volunteering for King County Bar Association or Northwest you Justice Project, you you're not, you don't get the yeah. client. I mean, it's the having the security as, a, as an attorney. You can only have freedom and flexibility if you have consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And predictability, right? You have to have some sort in your in your practice or in your professional life in order for you to have the freedom to be creative. You have to have that foundation of stability. Yeah. And to know that the leads are coming, that they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that sense of stability and, and comfort, good security, leads. and they're security. They're warm leads. Like yes. people are expecting your phone call. They're yes. happy that you're calling. That makes a huge difference. It makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference knowing that. There's somebody behind the scene that is bringing you the leads, so that you can have the freedom to to do what you need to do. Whether you're going to take on that case, knowing that oh, you know what, I'm not going to make much money, but there's something a higher goal. I want to take this uh-huh. case on because I want to impact. Right? Mm-hmm. This you're coming is my from a standpoint of abundance. Yes. Like knowing that your bases are covered and it gives yes. you the ability to so not we, make decisions from a standpoint right. of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I can tell you know, doing litigation and doing hourly rate. The majority of the time, if I really look at it, my flat rate, because I keep track of all the time, like you said, every time I open a file, I keep track, the client is getting such a good deal. I can, you know, almost 50%, if not higher than the time, most of the time, I'm giving maybe $1,500 worth in terms of flat fee, but I'm giving the client $5,000 worth of work. Sure. But it's more fulfilling. But it's fulfilled because it's my choice. It's your choice. Right. It's my choice because... I am, we have an agreement, we have a trust mm-hmm. because my basic needs are met and yeah. I know the clients are coming. I know the leads are coming. Well, in other cases, you make a lot of money and so yes. it gives you the, 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 the bandwidth. Yeah. The bandwidth or whatever, the ability to live a life of abundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I give, yeah. I give unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if the client wants to really see what they're worth in terms of the case that I'm providing for them, I can give them the billing statement and they will see right on there the worth and the and the product and how much time and effort and heart I'm putting into their case mm-hmm. so that they can save some money so that they can have some access. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them between five to ten, you know, between five to seven thousand of service and they're paying me fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I get my needs met and I get also the higher needs of I want to serve. Mm-hmm. And they get access and the knowledge because they can see it that somebody's doing this, not just because a profit, but because there's heart involved. Yes. It's a beautiful, it's a beginning of creating of a beautiful world for everybody, I think. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. See, you are making a difference. You just, <laughs> well, just yeah. never making being being practical about it. I guess so. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I enjoy it, but I I definitely uh, for me, I think it was a lifesaver because I didn't have the connections in Washington State. So opening up a practice is a little bit scary, and to be able to know that there are people who, or that these leads are coming and they're legitimate, valid leads, not just. And, and I tried other companies before and during, and it's just gameplay. Yeah, it it really is, and you know? people aren't interested. Like, those leads weren't really proper warm leads. Like these are actually warm leads with people who have legitimate either immigration or family law issues, and they want a call from a lawyer. And I think that's the key thing is is that they're expecting you and. 
I don't know what the, I haven't ever tried to get myself a lead on. I, I thought one day I'm going to try to do that just to see, but I don't know what the processes they go through or what questions they answer, but whatever, however they're vetted, they're legitimate. And I, and, and I appreciate that, you know, it's, <laughs> well, it's worth trust, it. Right. I mean, between, between us and, you know, cause in terms of my interaction with Unbendo, it's most mainly you and Graham, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's that trust, right? Yeah. I, I have that trust with you so I can free my space and my time to do what I need to do, which is to decide not all the leads that come my way are the right leads for me. Mm-hmm. You know, to decide whether, to decide how I'm going to best serve it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's, you know, there has to be trust with everybody where maybe in other service, the moment you don't have that trust, then if there's a problem, there's no way to communicate it. Mm-hmm. Like if something is off, you know, if I get a lead that's off, then I can just call you and say, I don't know what's going on. You know, did something, did you tweak something because something, you know, we can have that honest conversation of what's working and what's not working. <coughs> and I think, I think the Anbanal service is different in that way. It's because I can directly communicate if something doesn't feel quite in mm-hmm. sync, I can communicate. I mean, I can, I, you know, I have your personal text, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, your personal phone number mm-hmm. where I can text you. You have my cell phone where you can text me. I just feel bad that me. I don't call you guys enough. Sorry. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and so to have that kind of relationship for me as an attorney is knowing that while I'm doing my job, somebody else is also taking care of me so that I can continue doing what I, what I need to do. And to have that, I think, and you will agree, that's a phenomenal gift. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal gift because for people like you and me, where, you know, we have, I mean, we're minority, we're women, we're sole practitioner or a very small firm. We don't have that well-established way to get clients, to to have our service known, to let other people know that I'm here. And you know what means the world to me is to have the ability to help you. Mm-hmm. We don't have that ability. And to know that there, you know, I know there's tons of you that may behind the scene, you know, to have that, knowing that while I'm taking care of other people, there are other people trying to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And I can trust in that. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's a great, great way to be. Yay, Grandma Dave. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't you agree? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, no, now no. I see how you can do trials that quick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what do you she mean? Brings you're, it. Very, you're a very eloquent speaker. Oh, thank you. Yeah, very thank good. Thank you. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either that, you know, there's a fine line between crazy and a genius, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, so thank you. Thank you, because I, and I love, I'm going to take on some of your ideas and be more practical. Yeah, I, well, I'm not going to take on any last minute trials. I'll just send those over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is such a cooperative yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, and, and I can say it's, um, you know, it's a real privilege and it feels really, really great to know that um, the work we've put in to build this platform and, you know, my, you know the decade of, of years we put in to learn, you know, the strategies we've learned to, you know, educate consumers and bring in the clients and so forth is creating the uh, space for you to serve these clients from a more authentic space and to be in your own creativity and to... Um, maybe rehydrate your initial, that initial like seed of wanting to serve and wanting to change the world and have an impact on access to justice and do something much greater. And so it's a, it's a real privilege to, uh, to work with attorneys 
like yourselves that are on the cutting edge and, and are willing and wanting to um, bring yourself so fully to to what it is you're doing. And uh, it's you know it's just been a lot of fun to support all of you in your growth and the, all the phases that have gone into this this relationship and and the different the ways. Calls. <laughs> you call him instead. He calls me. He's like, "What's happening to her?" <laughs> We've gotten them all. The ups and downs. The the ins and outs, but uh, at the end of the day, we're all doing this for the same reason. And so I commend uh, all the work that you guys do every single day for every single one of these clients. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do what we do every single day to uh, educate the clients on the front end and get, get them more aware of all the services, that this can be a way for them to get the help that they, they so desperately need. And just there's a lack of awareness out there that, that uh, attorneys such as yourselves that have these uh, principles are available. So um, thank you again for everything you guys are doing. And you know, as far as this podcast goes, this is you know, our first video podcast, and I think it's uh, it's been a real pleasure to have these you know in person, <laughs> joyous, energetic discussions. And, and we're, I think we're really grinding at the thread of what this is really all about. Yeah. And uh, and to me, that's really exciting. And so we're going to have uh, more interviews just like this. Um, you know, meeting attorneys like you guys and having round twos and maybe broader discussions as well, yeah. and uh, building a community around these same uh, goals because I think. Uh, once we all attorneys get to understand what this is really about and that it's not second rate or it's not, you know, low cost, cheap legal lawyering, and that it's actually, it's a movement, you know, it's attorneys that really want to make a difference. They're doing it profitably. They're building practices. They're getting more in touch with that, that, uh, that desire to serve that, uh, it'll become a lot more commonplace and self-evident mm-hmm. that providing unbundled legal services in your practice, uh, is just a necessary way to practice in uh, in today's in today's times. No, I'm I'm excited because through this whole process, whatever it is um, that you're doing, because I feel like just when I I think I kind of reach a level of understanding of what Unbundle is doing, then you come and share with me a whole different vision that's <laughs> bigger. And so for me, it's like I'm like oh, you know, but yet I know I'm kind of I think I'm in sync with you. But the vision that you have is so much greater than than what I could ever imagine. And so for me, wanting to see what comes of it is phenomenal. It just um, I'm excited to hear that because I know from this broadcast alone, you know, as attorneys sitting over here doing the work that we do and especially providing unbundled services is that the learning process, um, you know, technically we're generally people look at attorneys as the one that has the knowledge. But we are also learning in this process. And so I know that from whatever the conversation, the 50, the 100 attorneys that you're talking to, I know that you're keeping track. And, and I know you're, you're taking notes of like, oh, where can we serve them better? Well, how can we make them even better? So I'm just, I just can see it. You know, I can see it in your eyes. I can see in your, uh, your listening that you are actively listening. And so I'm, I'm eager to learn and to see what comes of it because I know at the end of the day, you are about service and, and giving, you know, teaching and giving me as an attorney an opportunity to grow. Um, yeah. Not just as an attorney, but, you know, as a human being. So I, um, it's just exciting. If it's a movement, I like the word movement. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it's a paradigm shift. Oh, oh, oh you like nice. that one. <laughs> New paradigm of law. You can take that one. <laughs> I will use that word today, though. Yeah, it's exciting. I, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, and I appreciate the fact that you've been, you know, 
stepping into the space at each new level uh, in vulnerable ways <laughs> and, and doing the and, and I think we're all stepping into like a greater commitment to what it is we're doing you know at each step of the process you know experimenting trying things out that's working okay what if we did that what if we tried this what if we work together what if we share ideas you know there's just you know you know all these new levels that we're you know breaching and this is just one of them here with this with this interview so thank you both for being willing to join us uh, and and talk so openly about the ways in which you guys have been implementing these service options and finding ways to uh, implement to help more people and do it in front of you know video cameras and and lights all this stuff uh, and, and it was you know in a legal industry is somewhat of an unprecedented way so mm-hmm. and that takes a certain degree of uh, courage and I and I commend you for it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and to everyone else that's participating and and listening into the podcast, uh, we really appreciate the fact that you're applying these strategies in your practices. You know, giving us feedback, comments. Um, it's been 50 great episodes. And uh, we're really excited about all the, uh, you know, about the impact that it's having and the ways in which you're implementing these practices into your, uh, to your law firms as well. And we're really excited for the next 50 episodes and doing a lot more video podcasts just like this one. So uh, for now, tune into the, uh, the new YouTube channel, UnbundledAttorney.com, uh, the YouTube, uh, uh, sorry, YouTube channel, Unbundled Attorney. Um, the links will be in the podcast uh, show notes to link you right to the, to the videos to our Facebook page and where else you can connect to us online. And until next time, we'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks so much. For more information about how our exclusive Unbundled Leads can help you grow your practice, visit our website at unbundledattorney.com. You can watch each new episode of the podcast on the Unbundled Attorney YouTube channel. Or if you prefer to listen, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available. And remember to leave us your review on iTunes. We read each and every one of them and really appreciate your support of the show. Once again, thanks for listening.